Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Welcome, everybody. Hello. We are Let's Talk About Treks. Yeah. My name is Earl Grey. My name is Jack Dorino. Today, we'll be reviewing Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 1, Kobayashi Maru. That's the name of it. This episode came out on the 18th of November in the year 2021. It was written by Michelle Paradise, who's the showrunner, Jenny Lamette, who's a great Star Trek Discovery writer, and Alex Kurtzman, who's running the entire Star Trek franchise. It was directed by one of my favorite Star Trek Discovery directors, Olatunde Osensaku. Yeah, I mean, it looked like a Frank scene episode at first, but... Uh, yeah, you yeah. actually... you. Did I say that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so this time, this time out, we actually recorded uh, our review of this episode. um, If you believe this early, it was on January second of two thousand twenty-two. Oh my goodness! So we we are revisiting this now in the year two (laughs) thousand twenty-three, but we are going to do ourselves and you the honor of playing you our original recording. Some retro. Let's talk about tracks. Yes, retro. Let's talk about tracks. This episode takes place in the year 3190. That's when it happens, yes. So, so with Star Trek Discovery, we are well into the 32nd century, and this is the season that features the DMA. This will be the first episode mm-hmm. of that season. And if you'll stand by yes. a second, here comes that music. Brown chicken I mean, it's up to you. Or do you feel like you put on the spot now? No pun intended. Uh, yeah. Well, see, the thing is, the spot was put on you. I know, I got it. Because you said no pun intended. There was a joke in there somewhere. That was the joke. The no <laughs> pun intended is often the joke. Oh, is it? It's it's very often the joke. When someone says no pun intended, that is the joke because they're indicating that a pun exists. Although they weren't maybe considering the pun when they said the pun. Uh, I think we've explained this joke to death. So. <laughs> This has been this has been Jack and Earl's joke explanations. Thanks for joining us. No, no, da- Jack and Data's joke explanations. Jack and Jada's. <laughs> I said it's Jack. A, it's a talk show that features uh, Data and Will Smith's wife. <laughs> they call it Jada and Data. Data and Jada in the morning. Data and Jada in the morning. <laughs> So what show are we doing again? First of all, my name is my name is Earl Gray, and I'm Jack Dorino, and we are Let's Trek About Talks. Absolutely. This is the fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. And that's what we're here to discuss. The beginning of the fourth season is one in which not only have you broken the mold of the original Star Trek, right? Because three seasons, mm-hmm. so you have the crown of that, and then like usually they have all the storytelling together, so they're really, really ready to use the show as a platform to tell stories. So you, you're saying that by the time they get to season four, they've found their footing. That is a good way of reflexively listening and explaining to me what I, yes, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I'm going to reference Best of Both Worlds, Scorpion, and Dogs of War. Scorpion is where we turn we turn in place on Star Trek Voyager to behold Seven of Nine. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't called Dogs of War. Uh, the way, the of, the way of the warrior. I'm sorry. There is an episode called The Dogs of War, if I'm not mistaken. But this is The Way of the Warrior. There is? Did I make up The Dogs of War? The Dogs of War was spouted all the time in Star Trek Six, Or it's quoted all the time. There was General Chang who, who yeah. proclaimed, uh, you know, cry havoc. 
and let's slip the dogs of war and star trek six but there was an episode of deep space nine called the dogs of war i i don't know how to react to that okay well, I well believe you. wait why do you say this why do you say you don't know how to no react no to i'm that? i'm fro I, I froze i i literally saw a blue screen across my eyes that's interesting no i'm kidding okay <laughs> yeah, okay well, the Dogs of War was was uh, deep into the to the founder. Well, I guess it's the Dominion War, and we've we we were about to poison the founders. Okay. Like Odo, actually, Odo was getting better from his from his uh, solidification disease that he had for a while. They cured his solidification. Mm -hmm. So that was that's the Dogs of War. I'm not gonna go further into it. What if we that's decide to go fine. back and do all the shows? When we get into um, our tenth year of doing this, then maybe we might have to start. That's ambitious. I like ambition. That's very nice. Um, <laughs> have we introduced ourselves in the show, or are we just chattering away at each other? No. Well, I mean, we did it, but backwards. Okay. So, okay. So we did. We did say hi to the people. Yeah, we did say hi. Hi. So the, does everyone know we're doing uh, the first episode? Season four, episode one. Kobayashi. Kobayashi Maru. That's the one. Yes. Uh, of what show? This is Star Trek Discovery. Okay. Just making sure. Star Trek Discovery, yes. So, of course, we do the obligatory recap, which is fine, because as we discussed, the other series had part two episodes, so they would have recapped at least part one. Okay, so we're looking at a rock of some sort, presumably a planet. Yes, it's a dilithium planet. And orbiting it in the upper right quadrant, uh -huh. there are two rocks that seem to be rectangular prisms yeah. that might remind you of a certain blue rock box. Oh, like that might be the TARDIS flying around? So it's funny yeah. because I was noting that the season of Doctor Who is called Flux, uh -huh. and it's basically like this massive anomaly that's fluctuating through the universe. Uh -huh and like upsetting fabric of the universe so it's funny like it seems to be thus far in discovery it seems to be the same story okay it's very odd oh you think could they actually not be telling us but actually leading towards a doctor who star trek crossover i mean i can't imagine that happening would that make up for the european snub that star trek has just done recently <laughs> maybe maybe they're going to start releasing star trek on whatever the equivalent british is there a BBC Plus streaming service? Yes, but I think it's gay porn. <laughs> Have you looked it up? Small joke. <laughs> okay. Well, not a small joke. I mean, if it's gay porn, it's not a small joke. It's very serious. <laughs> Everyone is very serious and, and focused and concentrating. And I'm pretty sure it's probably a long joke. Oh, uh, we've gone. Uh, okay. We've, we I think we've walked this one as far as it can go. <clears throat> so we're doing the recap. Yes, we are. Which I appreciate. I don't know if it's super necessary. Like, especially, like, a lot of the things may not be super necessary. Well, I kind of needed a recap. Because some of the events got cross-wired in my mind. If you're going to recap, like, you should recap from the start. Not just last season. IMA show. Like, it's really cool if you, like, you could, you could do it really quickly. Do you ever watch a show and watch a recap on a show? And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're one of the clips that they're recapping is something that they must have left on the left out of the ep actual release ep of the episode but oh, they like accidentally that. included it like they forgot they cut it out sure but i like doing it yeah last season we ended uh star trek discovery on a scene of michael burnham in the command chair which she had was sitting in for the first time and uh, yeah 
and uh, her nice gray and, uniform. And she, I like Let's Fly. I'm okay with Let's Fly. We'll get to it later, but there was another phrase that I also enjoyed that was uttered. Okay. When Book's ship comes out of the aft uh, shuttle bay, why does it not then fly off to the starboard side of the ship immediately instead of heading out on the port side of the ship and then morphing around the Discovery? Why doesn't it just fly straight to its destination? Because they can. <laughs> like just... Okay, so quick comment here. Just going to interrupt it a little bit. Are they social distancing here? You mean the the butterflies being across the cliff from the... Uh, yeah, I yeah, I'm sorry. For a timestamp, that... two, two minutes and 50 seconds. Huh? That could have very well been the point <laughs> because the actors are standing very, very far apart. The butterflies. I mean, they're not butterflies. They're Mothmen. Uh, they are Mothmen. They were, yeah, because they're definitely butterfly adjacent. They're not butterfly people. <laughs> are, are they the one that brought us the prophecy? What prophecy? Oh, of the, the Mothman prophecy. Oh, I was thinking of Mothman, like the tick. The what? The tick. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. So they, so they find themselves kind of trying to f- explain grudge and they keep on stepping in it and they keep on misunderstanding. Why not just go get her? Would you like to see her? She's okay. She's perfectly fine. I don't think they want the carnivore on their planet. They had an issue with the carnivore. Well, yeah, that's true. So it's weird that they had an issue with her being a carnivore and were like being protective of her to like free the carnivore. Or being being protective of themselves to like get rid of the carnivore, and then all of a sudden when they she's a queen, they want to protect the carnivore. Yeah. Moths apparently have small brains. I guess maybe is what they're getting at here. <laughs> and they get very distracted very easily by shinies. I don't. I didn't really think that they wanted to connect that. Did you understand the uh, sort of symbiotic thing that's happening here? Apparently, with the humanoids and their insectile companions. Do you think it's like a symbiosis, or do you think they just... I thought it was a cool effect using the mobs as a mask. I thought it was a bit much. I didn't know how you were going to see around it. Well, that's true. So here, they, they've just jumped off the cliff, and they're in a uh, starfighter of sorts. I thought they were in the Delta Flyer backwards. So we have a starfighter with one occupant facing fore and the other occupant facing aft. Where have we seen that before? Is that like a 10-sided dice or something? And that's some sort of shape of dice that you use, like, in those tabletop games that people like to do so bad? Judging from the number of windows and assuming that there's a similar sides on the bottom, that's more like a 12-sided dice, just a weird shape of it. I was pointing out how a certain other historical show already yeah, did Yeah, I get the Millennium their... Falcon. No. Not the Millennium Falcon? The Snowfighter. Oh. Some other thing from Star Wars? I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm ripping the tape off. I don't care. <laughs> Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yes. So listen, the the warp tunnel from uh, Prodigy, it's from Star Wars. Okay, Gwen, yep. Gwen, she's from Star Wars. The idea of like bounty, I mean, uh, couriers, that's Star Wars. <laughs> the you know the believe in the Force guy, the the you know book, the one that's in love with oh. the heroine of the movie. The heroine? No, the hero, the hero, heroine. Oh, okay. It's all very, it's all very wibbly wobbly and together together, and I don't mind it. Oh. It's a thing thing that happens with creativity given times so i thought it would be fun once we get to the credits to uh, break down the changes this season sure so it'll be a great idea one of the things i never understood about books ship why does he bother with the separating of the different pods of it multiple times why not just fly 
straight. Yeah, you could really just form it like into a pike and just fly straight through things. And well, I mean, I guess you'd still want to separate if there was something coming down on you or something. I, I don't know. I don't know that it's really necessary for all the pieces to fly apart. Like I could think that they could just reconfigure and fit through most most things. Like they could probably fly apart, fly apart sometimes, but yeah, it just seems a little bit. A, a little bit much like his ship is doing a lot well if i'm not mistaken wasn't this piece the wedge of the ship wasn't this a small bit of a larger ship that he used to have in like, like season at the beginning of season three or the end of season four or whatever or two do you mean the just the big the one big wing looks like a big wing the one that they run it off the cliff onto yeah that big just wing the one that lifts away with them yeah, no, that's what that's the same thing that when when they met, that's the same thing he had. The tip of it was dug oh, into the beach. I thought it was a different shape. That was it was just standing straight up in the air. Oh, okay. Because it had dug its tip into the to the dirt. This is somewhat reminiscent of uh the beginning of one of the JJ verse movies, isn't it? So for me this is reminiscent of the beginning of an episode of Star Trek uh, I'm sorry. An episode of Andromeda. I almost got a Star Trek Andromeda. You ever seen a show called Andromeda? Yeah, bits and pieces. Much of this story of discovery for me now should be mirroring a little bit of Andromeda because we're trying to build, rebuild the Federation. Okay. I do like the uh, the idea of just seeing scenes where they're going around and spreading goodwill to bring back the, the Federation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So the first thing I noticed in the credits that was different, I like the... First of all, sure. backing up even before that, we have the ship itself. Mm -hmm. And the ship itself it has this new area of Aztec patterning on it, like a different sort of patterning on it. And we have, of course, the detached nacelles. Okay. Right? Like it's it's like not structurally different, but it is a, it's a new ship. It's a different ship than it was when last we saw her. Okay. I like the warp coil forming and then becoming... Yeah, is that what that was? Because uh, it looked like some sort of pulse drive or some sort of containment unit or something. Like, I wasn't exactly sure what it was. Pretty sure it's a warp coil turning around and forming together. Well, I saw the pulse of energy yeah. looking like it was moving back and forth between the two poles of it. I think that was a little stylized artistic license because they were... It was also, it turned into like a uh, modulator signal for playing the theme. You know, like when you're watching a recording sound. No, I've never done any sound editing. Oh, okay. I'm sure. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it's called. Isn't it just called a modulation it's signal? It's just a wave. So oh, okay. do you see how on the floor of the Kaminar Senate is a deflector dish from the old Enterprise, from like the original Enterprise? Or maybe the the first movie area enterprise. I mean, I saw, kind of saw that. Yeah. I just thought it was very clever. What do you think is happening on Kaminar? Like, are, is this the Baul floating outside of the Senate chamber or whatever? And then we have Kelpians inside. That's definitely what is implied. I mean, they've seemed to have come to some sort of a balance between each other. How? They they are apparently an aquatic species, and they have to be in the water, so they can't be in the chamber. They were in the chamber with Saru. Well, a fish can be out of water for a little bit of time before it suffocates. Hmm. It was more comfortable in the water. I guess they did. Well, they're out of sight. I would. I did. Don't think I assumed that they were in water. I think I assumed that they were like hiding underground in tar pits or something like that. 
smoky. So after we saw the pulse drive in mm-hmm. the uh, in the in the credits, and we saw the the like fractured planet, right? Yep, that was new. Then there were these planetary rings that were kind of skewed, kind of like how they are in the opener of Prodigy. Actually, that's a interstellar style black hole. Oh, is that what that is? The I thought the interstellar black hole was like a circle, and then it had like a line. It's basically like a num- like a zero, you know, like a, some bright zero with those strike through. You're looking at a 3D hole, uh-huh. and the lines are representative of the event horizon. It's the light orbiting just before it gets pulled into the black hole or sucked in or whatever. Oh, okay. Perhaps I'll take a look again. See if I can understand it. Okay. And then there was Book Ship, of course. Then there was the Idic. Yeah, they, they added the Idic into the uh, Vulcan salute that yeah. I've always assumed is Michael's hand doing the V with oh, her fingers. I hadn't considered. You know, I didn't realize until uh, the towards the end of last season that the face that we see at the beginning of the show is hers. Okay. Like all zoomed in close. And at one point it yeah. was Pikes. And then wasn't there a time when it was Lorca's too? I was about to say it made leads me to believe that maybe Jason Isaacs was the the first one. Then the other thing that I noticed is the flower. The petals have moth wing pattern on them now. Oh, do they? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if I noticed that. Well, I know I didn't notice that, and I'm very curious about what that means. If that's a thing, I have to go back and take a look. Mm Mm-hmm. I did like Saru's PowerPoint though. Yeah, yeah, it was very effective. And I did like the whole, whole presentation about science. Who, who was the director of this episode? I did not catch it as it went by. Sorry, I was so excited and wrapped up. I I have it here and I'll send it to you because I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Maybe Is it Olatundeosens on me? Oh, what? Olatundeosens on me? Yes, that one. Great, 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 great. Olatundeosens on me does has done some of the best episodes of Star Trek Discovery. I believe i feel like maybe he did the first two also i don't okay. recall i know that he was he's what? been with us since season one i'll tell you that much oh, okay one of the things i'm noticing in this episode is apparently either jonathan frakes was his apprentice or he was jonathan frakes apprentice are we, are we doing a lot of slipping and flip dipping yep we certainly are <laughs> so this Starfleet Academy ceremony, I it took me a while to notice the dress uniforms that everyone's wearing. Uh-huh. Uh I think Captain Burnham's uniform dress uniform is like Captain Brannigan's uniform. Brannigan? With a priest collar. Oh, okay, yeah. I think that uh the Admiral's uniform makes him look like a knight, you know, with a K. Okay. I think that yeah. the president's uniform makes her appear to be some sort of like imperial guard dress or guard or you know perhaps a member of the Klingon Empire with her baldric now were you aware I wasn't aware I couldn't tell by the makeup apparently according to a title that I accidentally saw on YouTube Uh she is half Bajoran and half Cardassian but the the level of makeup applied makes me wonder if she's a third of each and yes. a third human. So this is what I uh, heard. I and I and I have to admit that I definitely cheated right after seeing this episode and I watched the Ready Room featuring Will Wheaton. Yeah, and I believe that may have been where I heard uh, mention of the idea that she was half human, one half, one quarter Cardassian and one quarter Bajoran. Mm-hmm. So that would be one parent who's a Bajassian, and then one parent who's a human, mm-hmm. or would it be a Karjoran? I think I like kind of put Karjoran. I don't know. 
Oh, it, it's always determined by the male parent. Yeah, so it's which name comes from? Carjoran or Bajassian? Rather be a Carjoran than a Bar Barjassian. For... for for example, it if the in a liger, a liger the the male parent is the lion, and in a tigon, uh, the male parent is the tiger. Hey guys, we we did science we did science corner early. <laughs> So tell me, tell me all about your feels when we when we got to the uh, to the end of the Starfleet Academy scene. Oh my God, the, the the theme of Enterprise and calling it Archer Space Dock, I cried. I totally cried. <laughs> it is, I I heard it and I was like, oh my God, okay, all right, I, like you know they earned like they're in their place, but like Archer, mm, okay, sure, we can venerate Archer, it's fine. He's from way back in history. I mean, we do a lot of stuff for Lincoln. We do a lot, a lot of stuff for Kruchat, Kru, Kru. Washington Lee. <laughs> I was trying to branch out to non-American leaders. Oh, like Khrushchev? Yeah. Saddam Hussein? I'm, I'm sure there's a, a Saddam Hussein Boulevard somewhere. They took them down, but there, there were some. At least seems a little bit darker. Uh, so here's the thing. So like her makeup seems darker. I know this scene is rather warm it has like a warm tone to it yeah and everybody's wearing darker right. colors and and tilly seems very dark and oh, by the way i'm glad that they brought the admiral's aide back the same actress i was pleased about that but yeah tilly's makeup uh -huh. also seems like it's taken on a darker bent did what did, what did you think of the 31st century live action tellerite was that a tellerite oh i don't think that was a tellerite no 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 because i think we've seen tellerites on this show i think that was a different species altogether I don't think it was a, uh, it was Tellarite. There were Tellarites at Harlack. Well, then they're certainly Tellarite adjacent. Sure, 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 sure. It's similar. Uh, if you call one the other, I'm sure they'll be very offended, though. Oh, okay. I'll bet you. I mean, they certainly. I I, I want to make sure that you're talk that we're talking about the same character, but I'm sure you talk. Yeah, about. he's like very dark and he has tusks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and turned nose. Yep. I don't think he's a Tellarite. Okay. When Book and Michael were walking down the hall together, did you notice, I guess it only took a thousand years for Tribble to evolve legs. I did see the Tribble, and I don't think he had legs. I think he just ambled by. Also, I think that it's not an 11. I think it's a U. Uh, an 11? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her, her forehead yeah, thing? Yeah, it looked like a U for sure to me. I don't know where he got 11. But, you know, script says wow. 11, you say 11. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she has different versions of of that forehead thing that she does at different times. Perhaps there is. I was glad that the uh, the Federation headquarters was visible. Physical. Yeah, like it was visible. Like last season, it was just a a flash of light. Like I couldn't really see uh -huh. Federation headquarters. Was I the only one who could see it? And maybe because it, it seems like now I can actually see it. Was that the shielding or something that was blinding me to? Like it was very bright possibly i couldn't make out distinct details of it it just seemed like a flash i mean of light. It, it certainly also seems to be incorporating some sort of large energy source into the center of it maybe to draw energy possibly maybe even a <laughs> protostar that's interesting yes perhaps that. <laughs> that's very interesting did you notice the new spore sound oh i did you did it was like it's the high-pitched like squiggle squeal right yeah yeah so here's what happened. Yes. I was watching the episode, and sometimes when I back up in the episode, yeah. Paramount Plus gives me a blank, a black screen for a few frames. Okay. And it played the sound without any picture, so I it must have helped my mind 
separate it better and i heard the sound better so it was kind of a happy little accident it it took me a second i i because i heard it and i was like wait did that sound and then i listened and, and i went back and i listened and i was like oh that's so that's like the sound of the wind whipping through something that is the shape of the discovery saucer is that what they're doing <laughs> i'd have to hear it again to mimic it uh also another thing that took me a minute to recognize even though it happened like right in front of me was that we've moved starfleet academy we've moved it yeah it, oh away from earth yeah first time maybe this is a branch of it and they were just closest to that or or maybe maybe it's up on a space station that that's in orbit of earth and never got a good angle to show earth here we are earl gray fixed the thing there's a lot of things about this president by the way uh -huh. that i am not sure of and make me wary not the least of those being of course my own bs you know my own belief system mm -hmm. around the idea that cardassians are sneaky and not to be trusted i'll never trust them for the death of my boy but she also has like lots of salesman cues that like Cardassians tend to have that are infuriating like the nod and smile or the like persuasiveness so, like turn on the charm and uh -huh. you know minimize things that you want to be minimized and focus on things that you want to be focused you know what I mean and the just okay. knowing how to get right to someone and it's probably just me right I'm just it's, I'm just doing that it might be racist uh I don't know because i mean we have a certain expectation from the 21st century of what cardassians are like yo it's been a thousand years though yeah it's been a thousand years and maybe they're trying to play with that a little bit and and get us to help realize that oh we need to adapt this as well they're adapting too we're adapting along with the crew so as a part of the crew storyline they're helping us learn how to adapt would this be the first time anyone on discovery would have met or heard of our cardassian that's one thing i'm not clear on is do they know about cardassians in the 23rd century i doubt i don't think that because it's called deep space nine for a reason right I thought the name, speaking of DS9, I thought that the name of this station was kind of odd for, it's kind of Sure, sure, choppy. sure, yeah. And then also Deep on top Space of- Space Repair Beta 6. Why not just call it Repair, repair Beta 6? Yeah, they wanted to put Deep Space in there. And on top of that, they used the name Nalus, who everybody knows that Lee Nalus is a freedom fighter from Bajor. Okay. And then we made the president part Bajoran, part Cardassian, part human. So mm -hmm. uh, clearly, somebody who likes Deep Space Nine a whole heck of a lot wrote this episode. <laughs> Maybe they're trying to help show that this is a blended universe, that it's not just episodic anymore, that things come together and we get inspiration from other all, all our sources throughout the last thousand years. Sure. What did you think when, uh, instead of let's fly, she said, just jump? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. I just think it, it was time to do just a thing. You know, it was time to do a thing. It wasn't time to put the fluff in there. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, let's just get to it. There was an emergency. They needed to get a keyword to go and she needed something quick and simple. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, they did a fake me out. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Ronnie Rowe Jr. is one of my favorite actors on this show. You know, communications in the back there. Uh huh. And I saw Lieutenant Christopher pop up and I was like, oh, no, where's Bryce? And, uh, they had faked me out because there he was on the station. I'm not sure I follow. 
Well, I, you know, communications guy disappeared, then he pops back up. That's all. Oh, okay. What was the name of the ship? Which which ship? Something or other popped up. The name of it. I thought it was the name of the ship. Uh, yeah, no, it was a communications officer on the ship. You know, Lieutenant Bryce, Reginald Alton Bryce. Mm-hmm. Sits in the same spot of where he used to sit in. Okay. In the beginning of the episode, they had a different person sitting there named Lieutenant Christopher. Okay. I love how they treat Ensign Tall in this episode. She's sitting there talking to her partner openly and stuff, and nobody bats an eyelash or looks at her sideways or anything. And then it also seems that they're working on an ability to get her partner solidified or substantiated or something. Make her more than just a a ghost or a figment of her imagination. Who? I mean, we know that she's not now, because obviously the holodeck was able to form her. Wait, who? Uh, Ensign Tall. I can't remember Ensign Tall's partner's You're name. You're talking about Gray. Yeah, Gray. Thank you. Wait, is Gray female? I don't think I used a gender. You did. You said her several times. And she. Did I? You did. No, I I'm thought sorry. that that was intentional because I it's my understanding that Gray's male. I don't know. So I wonder if maybe like I misunderstood something. You've always taught me that both of them are sort of transgender or agender well i so the actor i believe of gray is is transgender it's my understanding okay and the character of adira is just non-binary yeah and the actor of gray is a transgender male oh i don't know oh it's also kind of none of my business yeah so i don't want to go too deep into it but yeah, that's that's my understanding. Their their voice is very effeminate, so I've been, you know, we've all been trained that you know, effeminate voices get the pronoun she, and I, I've been slowly trying to force myself and train myself into using gender neutral pronouns for people that want gender neutral pronouns, but I often still slip into binary pronouns. Yeah, I I don't know if like, Adira, they are the ones that have a non-binary pronoun but it was always always my understanding that their partner gray was a he him his user it was back in the day before the whole you know just sleeper ship gets hit and tall has to be taken from gray and put in adira it was my understanding that adira was a feminine pronoun user she or hers and then after taking the symbiont, Adira became a they. Oh, okay. Which makes sense both in plurals and in, you know, non-binariness. And, you know, a plurality of people, entities, of sentences. Because there's two life forms there, in the same... Right. Well, I mean, it's one life form because of the symbiosis, but yeah, yes, that. Or, or, or two consciousnesses in the same body. In a manner, sort of, because they, they bl- everything's blended, right? Are they bl- they're like blended into each other. Like if if Tal yeah they if are. Tal dies still... inside Adira, will Adira die? And if Adira dies mm-hmm. around Tal, will Tal die? We we don't know because there's very rarely been a human host for a symbiont trill. Oh, this is true. I forgot about this. I wonder if she's the second one. And in honor of Riker, she also did the Riker hair. <laughs> they're definitely becoming quickly. Well, the the couple together they are are quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in the show the the pair of them uh, gray and tall yeah yeah they are 
they are pretty uh, interesting in this show. They probably do their own spinoff show. You know, I was thinking that like everyone on this show could have their own spinoff show, and like everybody's show would be a different type of show, like a solo adventure kind of show. Like so, like Bryce and like Reese would have a uh, like a like a buddy comedy show, like a friends type show, right? <laughs> okay. Or like how I met my met your mother type show. Uh huh. And then. Uh, you know, Wosikun and uh, Cyborg Lady. Kayla Detmer is her name, would have like the L word show or like Sex in the City. You know, oh, like chronicling. You mean the F word show? No, I said the L word. Oh, the L word. Oh, I'm sorry. Or, or. Isn't there an F word to show too? I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. I guess Tilly would have to go on the Rice and Rice and Reese and Rice show. Maybe they could do a uh, what's the kind of show where you are just spontaneous and just react to whatever's going on. An improv show. Yeah, an improv show. Yeah. I could do an improv show together. I think that's what Saru and Sukal could do. They could do an improv show together. Oh, okay. They just be uh, like on stage and you just yell out things and they have to act it out. They'd probably be really good at it, yeah. actually. I had a question. Was the president trying to imply that she could be the one that could go? That she would be able to do the thing that Michael wanted to do? And that Michael should stay on the bridge because I don't Michael's think we've in... gotten there yet. Okay. What's your you said back when? We're we're still like at the beginning. No, of no, the episode. We've, we've we've gotten there. Oh, how far along are we? Uh, oh, I don't think we've gotten there yet. We're at thirty seven twenty eight. Oh, are we I'm talking about thirty five twenty. Well, I don't know what's been happening. I, I've, I've missed the episode. I think as I was talking about things. Wow. There's no way. Yeah, well, we're doing a good job. Yeah, I... Oh, you know what? But I do realize now that we must have passed the whole Quijons, Quijon scene, right? Yeah, we did. We were talking about other things during the Quijon thing, uh, scene. Uh, well, that's... Because I was going to point out, is this the first time that we've heard uh, native Qu it Quijons? Is, it is. It is. Uh, I liked... I liked. I liked. It is. Uh, it also may be the last time. Maybe. I don't know if you're. I mean, we that. we don't know how many, how many of them were off planet. Yes, at the time. I, yes. Unfortunately, we don't. And by the end of this episode, we still don't know how many were off planet at this time because that's exactly what I was thinking. Just like you. Oh, I wonder how many were off world. But during the episode, they're like, oh, we don't know how many were off world. <laughs> and I was really aggravated by it. Oh, they actually said that. Why would you say that? Okay, so first of all, let me tell you this progression of Michael Burnham in every season. What did I tell you? <laughs> every season, she has to fly by herself, alone, through space, untethered. Every season. So she was building up to this the whole time. I was like, okay, so first of all, I saw like the cool work. Okay, so cool new work bee, right? When that came out, I was like, oh, dope work yeah. bee. And then yep. I was like, oh, wait, it's made of glass. It's not gonna. And then boom, 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 it shatters. But it's not made out of glass. It's I made mean, out of transparent aluminum. I think for the purposes of this show, that one was made out of glass. Yeah, definitely. It blew up too easily. They accidentally made that one out of glass. <laughs> and so, of course, the thing opens and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, wait, she doesn't have a suit on. And then, you know, the Iron Man suit pops into place. Yeah, and there she is flying through space all by herself, and I'm like, "How did I know well, you were gonna yeah, do that? You're gonna find your that. way into open space. You do it every time." Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I I just thought it mm -hmm. it was kind of trippy because of how much they slowed down time, but I thought that the suit should have appeared a lot faster than it did. I agree. Either that, or that she should have instantaneously been beamed she, back to the ship. She should have been covered in frost at the very least, don't you think? 
<laughs> possibly because it's i mean do you want to find out how it works when you get instantly exposed to a vacuum it, it wasn't the vacuum so much i was concerned about it was the cold well there that yeah and the lack of air hey uh my producer's showing me that we need to go to a station break okay i'm here Hi, this is Isaac from Unplanned Trek. Just letting you know that I've never, ever heard of Let's Talk About Treks. I think the CGI scenes, though, with Burnham standing on the ship should have been mm -hmm. done with motion capture. I don't think that they were. I think they were done fully CGI. And I think it makes okay. the character look rigged. I uh, Did you notice the brief... Uh, appearance of what I'm going to call a Cation as they enter the shuttle. I did see that. I was very curious about. It. I was like, "Oh, is that a Cation?" And I wanted to go back, but I also couldn't like bring myself to go back and check. Oh, and I, I went think... back like at least twice. No, oh, I. It's my... not on screen long enough to determine if it's a Cation, but definitely that. Well, was well and I, I, I love that they're bringing them more into the canon, and I love that they are. I mean, now that we can do more and just like draw makeup on the actor's head or something. Thanks to you know, experimenting by Disney with uh, the Lion King and the Jungle Book, I, I think, mm -hmm. I think that we might be seeing more live action cations too. I I hope so. They're they are very fun to to to, to work with. I think I, I could see someone doing like a uh, like a full. I, I think that the lower let the lower half of vacation would need to be differently configured. You know the more, more cat the lower half of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know how it goes, the knee goes the other way, sort of. Uh, the ankle? Sure, yeah, the ankle is higher or whatever it is. There's a great feet. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention about uh, 3520 is uh, Tilly's already on board the station, and Michael leaves. Who's in command? The president. I guess the president by default, but uh, um, don't we have the chief? Oh, we don't have that. She's right. getting a little bit too used to the uh, 23rd century style of everybody in command goes down to this, puts themselves in danger. Oh, she can't help it. She she always has to do it. And I think that this time, I I, I think that her justification was literally just that justification because she she has logged more ev hours but i do think that it's very reasonable to say and kayla detmer would argue that she's probably the better pilot and maybe if kayla detmer had been out there with the work bee then maybe the work bee wouldn't have gotten smacked up and blown apart so uh, forcing yeah. burnham okay. then to do more hours of eva which is what she has experience in so like in order for it to work she would have had to go eva anyway she's the eva mm -hmm. per person not the pilot Mm-hmm. So, like, I wonder if she sort of accidentally, on purpose, like, angled toward an asteroid or something just to make the ship blow apart around her so she could fly through space and do what she, you know, knew how to do. <laughs> she was like, oh, give me the glass one. And they're like, the glass one? Are you sure? It's like, yeah, I know. They're like, it's just a model. I was like, yeah, I know. Don't worry about it. I won't really need it. Just give me the glass one. <laughs> and it was like, ting. And she's like, all right, gosh, I'm free. She yeah, turns yeah. her red angel suit on around her. 
I mean, that's not a red angel suit. I mean, because there's no wings. She must always wear that. She just dropped the wings off. She always wears that. Yes, that's her her permanent red angel suit. She's Iron Man, Iron Person. Oh, okay. So it's under her uniform then. Yes, it's attached to her heart. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, that's Zora. Zora is right in the middle of her heart. <laughs> Even you're alive and providing the suit. Then there's the argument once she comes back. And I wanted to bounce this off of you. Oh, is, is this the first time in an episode with a diplomat in it that the diplomat didn't actually try and take control? As soon as she says, are you taking the chair? She's like, no. Right. And I'm like, that's the first time a diplomat has not done this on the show. Yeah, I don't think that that was true. And I don't think it held true, though. Because she controlled the situation. How did, how did the president control the situation? The captain had things under control yeah she did and the president stopped the show uh, to question her about it and say that she wasn't questioning her about it like she was playing with her like a cardassian with a toy like, oh, okay or a cat like if she just let her do it maybe she would have gotten out soon enough and there wouldn't have been you know maybe think everything would have happened yeah. a little bit sooner and then they wouldn't have been so late doing stuff and you know like the captain the, the president stalled her oh that's a good point yeah, cause, so maybe this guy would have survived. If, yeah, uh, yeah. The president took all this time to try to yeah. prove a point. Like, what point are yeah. you proving? You're trying to prove the point that nobody's infallible. Like, yeah. Burnham knows she's fallible, but she can. She should still be allowed to try as much as she can, especially if it works. Mm hmm. So is that why they played up the commander's uh, death so much? Is to show <sighs> that because of this delay and the little argument that maybe he might have survived i think that that might be true i don't feel like burnham is at the point where she's ready to say president it was your fault that i didn't get there get to where i needed to be to make this not happen it wasn't that you know i was up against like the impossible situation was the president like that's part okay. of the kobayashi maru yes why was the president aboard and interfering with her uh -huh. with her orders that's that was part of her kobayashi maru test so she goes back and takes it again the president has to be there again okay so i think that but it would have been fine she would have gotten people out in time if not for the president but all of those factors had to be in place for this to be michael burnham's kobayashi maru oh okay. because it was about like i'm going to save everyone and she's is very intransigent about that like i'm going to save everyone everybody's going to fucking die <laughs> so, everybody or nobody that's exactly all or nothing action. man all or nothing and I think i'm gonna that, crash my own ship into the kobayashi yeah, maru and so, blow us both up. like that's why i get the president's point where she's like yeah I, the, the all or nothing is is fine sure absolutely because you've been doing all but nothing will come eventually is what the president is trying to tell like look nothing is okay. going to happen at some point so okay you going for all like makes makes it so that you might not be present to provide the wonderful leadership that you think that you should be providing like that's antithetical to your own purpose risking your own self so do you think that the president is right in this case then i wasn't quite sure i think that the president is correct she's not ready oh you mean for another ship yeah i mean what's to be ready for like the discovery is probably the most um it's a, it's a, it's definitely top of the line 
because they had technology mm-hmm. that they didn't even have and they upgraded it to their current technology mm-hmm. and it's been through a lot like that ship and that crew have been through are, are so weathered and so experienced like they can handle anything they can handle losing everything they can handle losing the entire universe twice so you're you're saying you're kind of on board with michael where michael keeps on questioning well what is ready what is your definition yeah, like, of ready where do you think i could possibly go that could be more difficult than how i got here Mm-hmm. Like not just the jumping through time, but like yeah. the you know losing Philippa, going to prison, you know fighting control. Her mother is the Red Angel. She has to go through time and leave signals, and you know. Just, well, they both were going through time. Right? Her parents being signals. her parents being killed on a station because you know Leland sent them after a time crystal. They stole a time crystal, and the Klingons came and killed them. And that's what launches mm-hmm. her on her whole life of feeling like she has to save everyone because it's her fault that her parents died and that was never true but she now she's still stuck with the end like mm-hmm. it's uh it's not helpful i mean yeah uh side note though uh this pathway drive sounds intriguing i did hear that and did they say that they were gonna install it avoid the voyager yeah they were that they is did. that is very close it wasn't there like a pathfinder there was a pathfinder mission Reginald Barclay's whole thing was the pathway right. of the Pathfinder, pathfinder. Mm-hmm. to find Voyager. And then they they had another they did another Pathfinder where they went back out to the Delta Quadrant with them with some ships. Okay. Uh, when at the beginning when Quajon or you know earlier in the episode when Quajon was hit and book went sprawling, I was like, so there's no way right that the planet is destroyed because book's ship was dead on also. So how does Book's ship not get destroyed, but the planet get des- gets destroyed? Which is why I was so surprised when we get here towards the end of the episode and the planet is like destroyed. Like, wasn't didn't it hit Book's ship first? Some debris or, that was orbiting it, the big chunk of that mass was hit Book's ship. But I thought Book's ship was between the planet and the anomaly. The planet looked like it was coming out of the anomaly, but the planet was already being destroyed just like a regular meteor there were other smaller rocks oh i thought those rocks were proceeding like a wave front from further out in the system or the other side of the system or something may have misseen that i mean it still could have been that some of that debris hit book ship before the whole planet or whatever it was coming out of that anomaly hit quajon and then just book ship was not clear or something yeah yeah it seemed seemed a little odd to me one of the things i wrestled with with that scene though is i felt myself struggling to feel something watching that feeling uh what watching quajon be destroyed the the destroyed quajon and it not being where it's supposed to be so i felt more so the not it not being where it's supposed to be was for me gave me a callback to uh, Star Trek Six and the Klingon moon exploding praxis. Okay, uh, that's what I was thinking because I you know there's the coordinates but nothing's there like that was they immediately made me think of that and then my emotional connection to the moment was more about oh my gosh he has to, he's going through this thing and she has to go through this thing with him and everybody like is everybody standing there like just fine. Well, and why and and they have to like and his planet was just destroyed so like the depth of their grief for him 
is what I felt more than like, oh my god, the planet Quajong is gone. Because mm-hmm. I was still stuck on like, didn't they crash land? Didn't she when she first got here in the beginning of season three? Didn't she land on a planet called Heem? Uh, she was looking for New Eden, right? So she asked, "Is this this planet oh. Terralisium?" And he said, "No, it's not Terralisium. It's Kaheem. It, it's Heem." Right. Mm-hmm. So I was confused about like Kaheem and Heem, uh, and the the planet is not called Heem. It's called Quajon. So what is the Kaheem, or is Kaheem his friend? I, I don't know. It's maybe it's just some of those name confusions, like Osira, Osira. What were the ones? I don't even remember what they are. Last season. Oh, the lady. But yeah, Orion, it was maybe? like um, yeah, but it was like three different names that sounded the same. Mm-hmm. Zora, Zara, and Osira is what it was. Oh, okay. So now we have Kaihim, Heem, and apparently another Heem. <laughs> Heem and not not Deem or Sheem. That was it's very clever. The other thing that I was going to say is that uh, about the pathway drive is what, how, how did the uh, protostar drive turn out? You know, why don't ships have protostar drives? Or maybe does a protostar drive still use dilithium to power it? So therefore they still need dilithium? I mean, if it has a reaction that needs to be contained, that's the purpose of dilithium, right? Is to contain a reaction. Like it's not a fuel, correct? Well, what is that? That me? No. My bag? That's my bag. bag. Yeah. Oh, sir. How, it was, how long it, it was in the front seat, wasn't it? No, it was. It was in the back seat. Oh. Somebody was like, somebody left that bag and I was like, what? I was like, what? Oh, this happened just now? That happened earlier? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm glad I didn't. Um, I'm glad no one took it with oh, me. Oh, and it do say David over here. I was like, yeah. no. So, they got in the car. It, it do say David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hold on. I was like, somebody left that. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad no one took it with them. Yeah, she got, she was like, somebody's bag back here. I was like, oh, she left my left bag. Oh, shit. Oh, man. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. So that happened. Yeah. I drove to work this morning, so I left my bag in the car. And then he went out driving. Uh huh. I'm glad no one just, like, took it with them. It would have sucked. Yeah. So, I, one of my thoughts earlier when we were talking about the Tribble, are they trying to make uh, the USS Discovery become the uh, be be as diverse as the Orville with its little slime creature? Oh, you mean by adding the Tribble? Yeah, by adding the Tribble or other random non-humanoid creatures. Probably. I mean, I certainly thought I saw more appendages on that than a regular triple. There was more than just hair on it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's all of my notes. Do you have anything else? No. I think we're going to have to okay? come back and record the, re-record the ending or something. Or the yeah, second half or something. Now. I don't know. Okay. But I get um, Let me go now for a little bit. I'm sure at some point you have to make dinner tonight. Well, so we got to do something. Let me, uh, let me go and uh, I don't know myself together you sound tired or depressed yeah i'm just gonna go and i don't know get myself together all right well i'll just let you go then i'll talk talk to you when you are ready all right take it easy yep ciao welcome back to the future welcome back back to the future (laughs) where we are right now yeah, welcome really? back to the future from the future. Welcome back to 2023, everybody. That is the year that we were recording this part right here. I hope that you enjoyed 
our uh, very brief, actually, for a Let's Talk About Trucks episode review of Kobayashi Maru. Yes. We sort of petered off uh, about three quarters of the way through the episode that time. <laughs> There's, there is no conclusion <laughs> to that recorded episode. So here we are. Welcome back, Earl. Welcome back to your Kobayashi Maru. Well, welcome back to Burnham's Kobayashi Maru. This is a very emotional episode. It is extremely emotional, yeah. I think I felt more emotion this time than I did the first time, or, or the second time I watched it. Agreed. Me too. I don't remember anything differently than what I saw today, mm-hmm. but I am seeing it from a different perspective, and I, I actually found that I have a lot more appreciation for this episode. I remember liking it originally, mm-hmm. um, although our review you just listened to probably doesn't show it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it a lot this time around too. Not so much into the Quajon piece. Like that was mm-hmm. that's that's not great. Yeah. And from like a, a writing production standpoint, I don't see the, the purpose. And, and I say that having seen mm-hmm. the entire season, it, it's like they're going to bring it personal to one of the characters. <laughs> I think they're thinking that it'll bring it more personal to us because we relate with that character. I mean, it, it's it's devastating. Like, there was a beautiful yeah. world, and the interconnectivity was great, and they, of course, like, yeah. heated it up at the beginning of the episode with the wah, lito, wah. And I remember the first <laughs> time through, I was like, they're really doing a lot here. And now I realize, oh, of course they did, because they were trying to make sure that we were upset about basically that little boy dying. Yep. It worked. It's like in the movie where they bring in the dog and as a background character of, of the hero of the movie, and it's like, yeah, okay, this dog's going to die. <laughs> This time around, I was wondering if they brought Commander Nollis back home and buried him at home, maybe by that bridge that, that the president was talking about. The steam vents? Yeah, the steam vents, yeah. I don't, maybe not so close to the steam vents. <laughs> well, yeah, but... I'm not trying to go to Yellowstone and get covered with dead Nollis. <laughs> yeah, the Grand Canyon has a, a viewing platform. Maybe, you know, scatter him to the wind. So I don't want to spoil too much later in the season but i just want to say i like gray this way mm-hmm. more i think that later in the season and and likely next season we don't get to experience gray so consistently and as interestingly as this episode and i i find i kind of miss that i think gray right now is acting more so as a conscious conscience yes then than before and, and a voice of the past and a voice of experience and reason that is just for Adira. Yeah. And, and I like the, the way that, you know, this, this relationship has to be framed and the cool camera tricks they do, you know, like, yeah, like it struck me last time and, and it struck me again this time that Adira is standing right behind Burnham talking to Gray and Burnham's standing there. Like she can't hear them, but clearly she's like four feet away from mm-hmm. Adira, of course you can hear them. She can hear, yeah, well, certainly Michael can probably hear Adira. And Adira's standing there talking to themselves mm-hmm. on the bridge. And Burnham just, Burnham's just like, I'm going to pretend like this is not happening. Don't want to embarrass them on the bridge. The resolution of this episode, by which I mean the ending, I was very surprised. Like, it cut short. It cut nearly as short as our review of this. I, and I'm thinking maybe that's why we cut short our our episode so or it seemed like we cut short our episode so much because like the episode was just like Quajon it's gone and it's like what wait that's it <laughs> that's the last <laughs> hold on that's it just it's I know that it was sort of a longer episode mm-hmm. but 
it left me wanting more, which I think is the goal, right? Yeah, that's definitely the goal. I mean, it's the first episode of the new season, and they want to pull you into the story. The, yeah, they the story. They, they did a lot of special effects this episode. Mm-hmm. The sparks that fly from very specific parts of the bridge, no matter what's happening. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> those are pretty neat. I was wondering if maybe they shouldn't put them on some sort of, like, rotating thing, so they shoot, maybe, and you can get them to shoot in different directions. Because they're always oh, just shooting cool. down, which yeah. I'm sure is safe. Oh, yeah. there's one thing that I wanted to mention. Now that we are in a world post-pandemic, I mm-hmm. can see very clearly the effects of the pandemic not on the production mm-hmm. but on the story itself mm-hmm. there's a couple things that saru says uh he says something to the effect of we're all on an island where we're on an island all together <laughs> which yeah. is like that's how we were we were all on an island and we were all together but we were, we were not together on an island but we were all together yeah on an island yeah which i thought was pretty that was pretty okay. that's pretty dope i really like that's how really they, cool uh, yeah i really like how they they put that into the story i feel like they put i feel like i said a few things along the way that made me key into oh this is pandemic like this is how you <laughs> make beautiful art come out of tragedy right like they mm-hmm. they, yeah. they took what the pandemic was and they put it into the story and it's it actually comes out very very beautiful in this yeah and having watched this episode in 2023 now i'm noticing all the extra more transporter effects hmm. and looking back on it from 2023 now i'm thinking on star trek picard season three and the end of that season and looking at all the transporter effects and going back to that kind of oh yeah hesitating about all the extra transporter use star trek picard season three mm-hmm. it's like the inception of what eventually comes the discovery transporters those personal transporters okay like if you could take a phaser and turn it around and shoot yourself with it does it transport you and the phaser and if so can you then miniaturize that phaser and put it on the comm badge so you just tap your comm badge and it takes you somewhere because the answer okay. is yes by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've already seen that yeah okay i get where you're going with the yeah. seven and the transporter tracks okay yeah. So I, I really liked this episode. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. I don't know what I would have uh, given it back then, but I give it an eight now. Looking at it now again, I think I give this eight point two. Uh, okay. Not, I hesitated because I'm like, is he going to think I'm one upping him? No, you're two upping me. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. <laughs> we hope you'll join us next week. I believe we'll be having yes. uh, Star Trek Discoveries for episode two, and you know, successively across the weeks, more dis- more of the discoveries until we reach Strange New Worlds time, which we'll take a pause from Discovery season four and get on to that Strange New World, and then come back here when you know, when there's a look coming. Yes. All right. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, stay positive, uh-huh. dream big, okay. and you'll hear from us again soon. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. 
Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.